welcome to the 15-minute juice, where we discuss physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to sport after injury, training, and all things fitness, while also answering burning daily questions, broach the juiciest weekly topics, and educate the masses on the proper algorithm for optimizing their lifestyle. It's fast, it's concise, it's informative, it's juicy. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. All right, Mike, welcome to another episode of the 15 Minute Juice. Um, got some new interesting background here. Uh, I stopped over at the park down in Clearwater and um, decided to just plop up my, uh, my little tripod here and when I ask uh, another question that's you know that I've seen a lot again on the on the page uh, that parents of the ACO page, and what I'm what I'm seeing, which is really weird, is a lot of people from Canada are um, you know reaching out and asking questions about what can their athlete do because they're check this out they're not able to have surgery sometimes anywhere from six to nine months after the injury so there's a six month gap between the injury and the surgery this isn't just the you know um a couple of weeks this is months that's a an entire process there that, that is being missed. And then God forbid you're an athlete that you get hurt and you're waiting nine months just for the surgery. Then you have another possibly 12 to 15 months of, of rehabilitation, which is probably going to be longer because of the long period of time. Right. So kind of break this down for me a little bit and, and, and try to simplify this as best you can. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I guess as we talked about, one of the downsides of socialized medicine, you know, they do that in, uh, in Italy, you know, my wife's family, her uh, one uncle's a nurse and science just to be able to get procedures done, even things that are more crucial than having, you know, uh, a ligament torn, um, you know, orthopedic wise, even just more like life-threatening, uh, there's like wait lists and stuff. Um, it's wild how it works, but for someone that has to wait to get an ACL repaired, I know there's a lot of stuff out there that they're talking about, you know, the ACL healing on its own. And I'm just curious to know, you know, this, like what that entails, you know, how severe is the uh, ACL torn, you know, in terms of percentage. And then if it is fully torn, like where would it be torn for it to heal on its own? You know, I would like to ask some uh, surgeons a little bit more about that is what they're seeing, but regardless, it still comes down to that neuromuscular control that's required. So 
you know, if someone's going to be doing something without, without, you know, without that ligament support, there's going to be obviously a little bit of laxity in that joint and they need really good neuromuscular control. So it's one thing trying to get that back when you have the ligament there intact and even with assistance of a brace, but, you know, just like we talked about some of the um, patients that come in that are doing some pre-op therapy, they still get some pain and they feel unstable and they don't have that ligament intact. Um, and that's not the problem that they have when they're in that prehab before having the surgery. But, you know, you know, six to eight months of waiting, it's like, you know, trying to do the right things and, and, you know, uh, you know, like what are the limitations there, you know, in terms of like wearing a brace, if you're going to get to the point of doing cutting and agility and, you know, what's the trade-off for that, you're going to work, you know, um, risk damaging something else, you know, it's hard to be able to wait because then you're pushing back, you know, that, that surgery. So I guess it's a trade-off of, you know, are we doing, you know, what preoperative stuff are we doing there? So they're going to be really good when they, when they come out of surgery, but then again, you still have a waiting game of letting that thing heal. You know, so it just seems like yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, like, you, you, you do see it happen, right? Um, where some of these athletes are coming in, say they're delayed a few weeks. You do see the, the doctor sometimes prescribes physical therapy prior to the injury, right? Yeah, I mean, the ones that kind of, you know, are aware of the benefits of what can be done. I mean, a lot of them will, you know, especially if there's a range of motion deficits, obviously they want that knee fully straight and, you know, trying to get mobility back, but it's also just a neuro, neuromuscular function in terms of what stuff can you start teaching them beforehand, you know, doing BFR, you know, things like that to make, you know, the progress a little bit, um, you know, at, at a, the progress after the surgery will be at a better rate because then they've already been exposed to this stuff. It's not just fresh new to them, you know? Right. Well, I guess the bigger question is, you know, uh, they're probably not even getting any direction because they're not even able to get in with a surgeon for six to nine months. So it seems like a lot of these parents are asking, like, I mean, other than the fact of how do we get to the States to get the surgery done, right? Like, what can we do preoperatively? I know that again, every case is going to be different, but in a, um, geez, I don't, I, I don't even know. I mean, I guess it really comes down to, are they even at least able to get an MRI to see what type of degree the tear is so we can even, you know, kind of suggest some kind of help. How do you even suggest help for these people when you don't even know some of these things? Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, doing stuff like this, the podcast, being part of these <clears throat> social groups to network and talk about this stuff, try to get people in front of the right people, get them the right care, make sure they're doing the right things. If they are in that waiting game, then what are they doing for that six to eight months? Hopefully, they're certainly not still trying to play soccer on it, you know. You saw that, you know, basically with one of the, you know, uh, patients that we're working with, you know, she was trying to play and just having too much pain and issues and then the coach doesn't even want them playing it's a liability because what if you go down and hurt yourself even more you know if other if other players somehow get a whiff that you know on the other team that you're injured they're going to try to go after you even more and then also again it also is a liability too you know you're not able to be at 100 percent you know for the team so you know also in terms of competition you know if you're not there can you 
you know, would you sacrifice, you know, yourself, you know, in a certain position, you know, give up a play or not be able to do something. So a lot of coaches might sit somebody, they know they're injured because they don't want to take that risk. So, right. you know, um, there's that, you know, so hopefully you wouldn't be playing soccer if you're waiting for that time, you know, to get it, you know, repaired. And then it's like, then what are we doing? And what does that protocol look like? So, I mean, it comes down to the type of stuff that, you know, we're developing, getting this information out to the parents to understand, all right, well, here's where we are, you know, let's, let's start with this. But, you know, and the other thing too is when you have the kids come in for some of the, the pre-op stuff, they have a lot of pain, even when you're stretching the knee, because it's like scarring and some of, some of the structures are like in the way from the fraying of the ACL or there's right. things in there that just don't allow you to get really the full motion. You push it and you push it and you, and you get it there just so the tissue will get to that point, but it's not sustainable. And you know, a lot of that gets cleaned up after the surgery. The surgeon goes in and cleans out maybe some debris or things like that. There's just a lot of things that can be going on in that knee. After right. You can even have a, I guess, you know, what I hear a lot of also is a bone bruise, right? I mean, after yeah. the ACL tears, then two bones come down yeah. on one another and you, and you cause that bone bruise. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many, it's, it, I just feel for them. I just think, oh my gosh, I mean, that could literally change and ruin your career, really, right? I mean, waiting t- 25 months to play, that's two years. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I'm sure that their programs would probably have to have some type of contingency, you know, um, where that they know that that's the way the healthcare system is and knows how it works. And those that are on scholarships and stuff, I don't know if it's like a redshirt situation or something like that. And they have to be like, all right, well, this is how it is. And this happens. So we have to make some type of plan to a lot the time. But then again, still, you're delaying stuff, you know? I mean, right. Who wants to do right. That? I mean, we've, we've heard of, of ACL healing, I guess, on its own, or at least being able to function with a torn ACL. People have done it. Uh, I mean, we work with Alex, female Alex, at the gym, and she tour hers playing soccer, and she does OCR races. You know, I think she complains every once in a while, you know, but for the most part, She's able to do sport. Now, she's not back to playing soccer at, at a high level or at another sport. But, I mean, listen, OCR racing, and it's not like she's done like two or three of them. She's got medals that probably weigh more than most infants, you know. Yeah, um, the interesting thing is how she tolerates the descending, the hill running. That would be the biggest thing, the deceleration. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of the other stuff, it's not that covered, cutting, pivoting, and turning. It's a lot of straight line running and stuff, so – Right. Um, any any advice for parents that are asking questions about this? Um, what do we what do we do in that six month period there? I, you know, I think you're looking at you know, obviously getting your kid involved in some type of program, you know, with a coach, you know, a PT, somebody to guide them along doing the right things and saying, here's where we're at. So let's you know, work on all your deficits, maximize, you know, muscle function, functional movement, stability and do the best we can, you know, make sure that you're not doing anything that's going to compromise other structures because if you have some instability there, meniscus, cartilage, you know, other ligaments, you know, and making sure that when you are doing things, you know, you're doing them right. And uh, just trying to take advantage of building up as much foundation as possible. So hopefully after the surgery, um, you'll be able to progress faster, 
utilizing this time with your training with stuff like BFR, trying to maximize that, you know, output for cardiovascular and muscular, you know, um, growth. And uh, yeah, I mean, just doing everything we can and just, uh, I mean, cause really what else can you do? So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess finding a coach or a PT, I don't even know how they would go about seeing a physical therapist. Maybe they pay out of pocket or maybe finding a strength coach up there that has that BFR to at least, you know, so you're, you're not atrophying that, that, you know, quad. So at least you're able to, you know, keep some strength there. And, and so you can get to that next level of care, uh, get the surgery done and then start into your rehab. But I would say probably, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you here, BFR is probably their best option, right? To be able to do non-weighted movements or, or, or yeah, no weight or next, no external load is what I'm trying to say um, and still use the BFR so they're not losing that muscle. Would that make sense? Yeah, well, while they're learning to, to do the movement and put the BFR on, just like we do here, and then as they get better with the movement and they can handle high volume of the body weight movement, they need to do the, the BFR regimen, what they're trying to do, close to 75 reps of the, of the exercise, you know, and look at how they look at form and fatigue. And then when they start looking good and they start adding weight, things like that to it. But yeah, just getting, just getting you know, these kids into um, in the right direction, the right supervision. You know, again, you know, we have the online programming you know, stuff like that, you know, and so people understanding what they're paying for, well, this is an actual algorithm that's going to take your, your kid through the proper progressions of what they need to be doing, exposing them to their weak points of what caused the injury in the first place. And now working on that. And because you're going to have to do all this stuff again after the surgery. So you might as well right. get a good start. Right. And for people who don't understand what BFR, because we keep saying it, like everybody knows what we're saying, it's blood flow restriction and it's kind of get into a little bit more about that. Mike. kind of explain everyone's what, what they would be doing with the BFR. You basically occlude either the femoral artery or the brachial artery. Um, it's not a tourniquet. It's just these straps that have cushion on them and you apply a pressure and you turn the dial and it'll, it'll increase the pressure and you monitor how much pressure that is. You monitor their symptoms as they're doing the exercise. And with a little bit of that occlusion, um, the body um, recognizes it's having less blood flow to that area. So the muscles think they have to basically make more muscle fibers, stimulates insulin growth hormone, uh, more muscle hypertrophy. So that's how the body will start kind of making gains because it's working harder. You do that for segments of time, reps and sets, you monitor it and you keep working with it. Uh, and it basically is more bang for your buck. Why are you doing this exercise? You kind of put this on, uh, and there's a lot of research coming out in terms of how much it helps for um, just the uh, the recovery, strength gains, you know, and just progress. Are there things out there? I mean, we're going to go down just a tiny bit of a rabbit hole here because you did say, you know, growth hormone. Is there something legal that they can be doing as far as some kind of growth hormone along with the BFR to kind of to multiply that or times that does Not that make that sense I, okay. I would think that they would be prescribing that if that was something right uh, i don't think there's enough studies to show that there's going to be obviously a lot of still you know it's a gray area with you know stem cell research mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's just a lot that goes in behind that on how people feel about it you know just ethically and then politics and all that stuff and then 
having enough studies behind it, enough people participating to show consistent progress. Um, so yeah, some of those things, you know, are hard to know. Are there any supplements and things that help with healing? There still is just not enough uh, studies or not enough foundation to show that things work. There are things out there that do have benefits for the body that could help that we talk about nutrition for healing, things like that, nutrition, yep. sleep, yep. taking care of the body in those ways, you know, instead of just popping supplements or other vitamins or something, you know, there's a lot of pieces that go into the equation. So I think that's obviously a whole separate conversation, but I would think nutrition would, you know, be a big part of it. Okay. Uh, and anyone that wants to, you know, kind of get more information about this, you know, absolutely reach out to Mike or myself uh, so that we can, you know, kind of guide you along the, the, the steps here. I mean, again, it's just, it's heartbreaking to hear stuff like that, um, especially with these athletes that have aspirations of playing in college or maybe even playing at that professional level, feeling like, you know, an injury like that just basically takes them out of two years. You know, uh, gosh, we, we have kids here that are trying to get back in six to seven months. We talk about all the time, you know, telling them 12 months is like, we're telling them two years, which to be quite honest, that's, that's the healing process is 18 to 24 months. But that's, if you have surgery, you know, within the first couple of weeks, I don't know what the, the process is here. We're going to have to dive in a little bit more and I'll do some more digging and, and, and see what we can find about this, you know? Um, but it was just a, a question that I had seen several times on there. So I figured, you know what, let's bring this up on the, on the podcast and, um, and get your, get your view on that. So Appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. See you, buddy. All right.